What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Forbes 30 Under 30, a.k.a. the second best baby blues in San Francisco, a.k.a. the verified one at Tim Gettys. Let Tim host. He, of course, is the Hispanic heartthrob, Texas treat, Latino heat, clicking heads, ripping them to shreds, the globe-trotting, headshot, nitro rifle from Twitch.tv, Andy Cortez. Remember the movie Happy Gilmore, Greg? Yeah, Shooter McGavin. Yeah, shoot him again. What's he That's up what to? That's what you're doing right there. It's perfect. I like it a lot. Mm. And then, rounding out our quartet, of course, she is the host of my favorite podcast in the world, Death, Sex, and Money. And now, the published author. Let's talk about hard things. It's Anna Sale. Hello, Anna. Hello. Let Anna host. There you go. <laughs> the return. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Anna, you are broadcasting from a bunker in Wyoming. Is that correct? That's correct. I did not realize the internet <laughs> extended that far, so I'm appreciative that you were able to make this happen. I know your video's been choppy here and there, but we're happy to have you. We'll do what we can. That's right. Yes, Cody, Wyoming. Greg, what's going on? What's going on? What? 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 What's going happening? Uh, before we go too far into this, I, I, why are you all dressed up? You look so fancy. Oh yeah. Well, you might think I dressed up for Anna, but no, I was. I've been <laughs> doing a wine stream right before this snow bike mic, so I'm. Oh. Three-fourths of a way through a bottle on my Whoa. own down here. Holy right. Oh, I'm having a great time. We're we're for two. We weren't we were going to tell them. We were going to just have you like... I don't uh, know if you saw it. Barrett was shirtless drinking beer during this stream. So we are <laughs> oh. coming in in rare form ready to oh. talk to Anna. Well, welcome, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what she was signing up for. Anna, here's where I want to start with you. Here's where I want to start. Last time you came on the podcast, we did a one-on-one -on -one Game Over Greggy show in 2017, which is forever ago, a lifetime ago. But one of the things you and I talked about was, of course, uh, you making this move from journalist to podcaster and how that felt. Because obviously you had been, you know, gone to school, you had been out there doing political stuff, and then, you know, through WNYC ended up doing Death, Sex, and Money. How does it feel now, <laughs> four years later, Death, Sex, and Money has only gotten bigger, and then now you're writing a book. Like, where? how do you describe yourself at dinner parties now? I describe, I mean, it's like, um, you know, I look at people like you all and I'm like, why only one platform? <laughs> I, need to, I need to stretch and try to do more. I mean, the thing that was writing a book, it was, I found it quite hard. It's a yeah. lot harder than, <laughs> you know, the thing that's so wonderful about podcasting is you are creating moments, you know, it's something that you prepare for, you think about ahead of time, but then once you're doing it, it's like this thing that you're making in the moment with, with the person you're interviewing, the people you're making it with. Writing is very lonesome, yeah. you know, it's me and it was me and a blank page for a long time. And then me and a bunch of pages that needed to be revised for a long time. <laughs> Um, but it, I tell you, it's the first thing I've ever made in my journalism career that I can hold in my hands because oh, wow. I never was a newspaper reporter. I was always radio, always making podcasts. It's pretty cool to have something to hold in your hands. Well, I have to imagine. Awesome. Yeah. And like, you know, it's incredible that you did it. And what I love about it is that, and I don't know if I'm sure you, you've obviously poured over this a million different times, but I don't know if anybody's told you like how much it reads like death, sex and money. To the point that, like, I uh, was reading it, obviously, but then I was like, oh, man, I got to play this game for review, but it doesn't need my full attention. I got the audiobook off Audible, and it was so jarring to me to listen to you narrate your book, and you do the thing where you're like, it's like when I interviewed, uh, you know, Todd T or whatever, and then where usually Todd would start talking, you would start quoting Todd, and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> that's not how the show usually feels, the vibe of it. 
<laughs> I know. And I was recording the audiobook. I was like, when the quote quotation marks would show up, I was like, huh, what's my like reading a quote voice? Because I don't <laughs> <laughs> you know, I sort of have to go into like, no, 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 you know, just like a totally different delivery. Um, but yes, it is. It is different. <laughs> it is a different feeling. You should. You could have hired Greg for the VO. He, Greg could have done all oh, the great. quoted. We could have all quotes. done the VO for sure. Yeah. Oh, like oh, anytime yeah. you got a British person, we're ready to go. We're ready right there. <laughs> I've always wondered with the with the audiobooks, like how the recording process works. Like, so the only audiobooks I've ever listened to are Star Wars. So there's like sound effects and fun stuff like that. <laughs> I I don't know if yours has sound effects and things of the like, and music and all that. But how long is it? The entire book and are you literally reading the entire book out loud and that's how these audiobooks happen? Okay. I'm so glad you asked because I think this is such a weird thing that I did to make the audiobook and no one has asked me about it. So picture this. It's COVID in pandemic. I'm like finishing this book in my back bedroom that I've been revising for so long and working on it with my editors. But the first time I read the whole thing all the way through, I go to a, a studio in Oakland and I'm sitting down and the only people listening are there's a sound engineer and there's a producer and they're both guys I've just met. And my book has a lot of memoir that's about some pretty like, you know, tender moments in my life about the end of my first marriage, also about talking about sex with my husband and like, all, you know, and, and, hard, and things. Periods, hard things, tender things. And, um, I only hear these two dudes who I've just met. Like they're my first audience as I read this out loud. And, you know, I, I, I have this like um, impulse, you know, when I read a like moment that's like kind of emotional and then I pause and I'm just waiting for someone to have some audible reaction. And they're such professionals. All they do is they're like, uh, back on page 45, you said, which instead of what? And then you <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, dudes, I'm bearing my soul to you. <laughs> They're they so just, dead to it. <laughs> it. It's as if you're yelling it into a dark, deep hole. Um, but, you know, it, that that was like, okay, Anna, this is what you're doing. You're just putting this out into the universe. So, you know, just be prepared. But it was very uh, emotionally. It took, um, to answer your question, how long it took, it was like three eight-hour days with like a lunch break in between, drinking water, getting up every hour and a half and walking around and then just reading to myself for another. Were you dying afterwards? Cause I mean, like we do shows all day and like we have a rule for ourselves where it's a three show maximum a day and that's the max. And that Mm -hmm. tends to be what? Like four hours total of content across the different shows. And that means we're dead. That means our throats are done. I can't imagine eight hour days reading, especially because that's a different type of performance. You're not just chattering. You're like performing words <laughs> yes and like words about like, like in for my book like not just my tender stuff but tender stuff that other people told me that yeah. i interviewed so it was really emotional but i will tell you hot tip i learned this from the audiobook guys apple slices if you just have a nice oh, plate of apple slices fanned out it really helps with your voice so hot tea i drink a lot of high tea and lemon and apple slices and that got me over that hump to that eight hour. <laughs> Wait, the end of that you're hour. eating the apple slices, right? They're not just in the general area. 
No, you no they're not. He's midifying the room, Andy. That's not just helping the ambiance. Well, because she said apple size, and I went, "Oh, you eat that?" And then she said they're just sort of fanned out. I was like, "Oh, maybe it's like ruminating." I don't really <laughs> understand the problem. I wanted to point out they were fanned out because I really appreciated that attention to detail from the audio oh. engineer who made my display about. He didn't just like make apple sizes; he made an apple display. Oh, you know, very nice. Okay. Really, really set you in the mood. Get you decorative. You, yeah, you're there for a yeah. professional kind of organization. Now you you've mentioned that like the whole editing process, you've said a couple times that it's a long time. But what is that really? Because I I I I can't imagine trying to commit to a final draft and keep wanting to go back and keep wanting to fix things. Like what what when do you say okay enough is enough? Let's sort of finalize this and then just start the editing. Uh, well, it's I wish I have this really wonderful reader. God bless her. She keeps sending me little um, photos in Twitter DMs of typos that made it. To the oh, God. Oh, oh the no. nightmare. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Because then I send it to the copy editor. I'm like, for the next printing. Um, so <laughs> it's never quite done. But um, the thing that, it, it, for me, it was like this continual, like I just had to get words on the page. Try to, like, how do I sum up a whole chapter about talking about money? Like, Ugh, where do you begin and end? And so it was much too long. Then I would send that to an editor who would say, these are the parts that are working. These are the parts that, that I didn't, I, you sort of lost me. And then I would work again and work again. And I found what was so hard, it, unlike a podcast episode where, you know, you all work in audio and video, so you can sort of like see everything at once. You can kind of zoom in and then zoom out. When you're working in a really long written manuscript, all it is is just like, it's really hard to see the whole thing at once. Sure. So I just would be moments where I would just be like, I am lost in this document. I have no idea where I am. I have to quit for the day. It's been, it's just too much. It seems um, like a nightmare to pace, like to, to have yeah. paced out well, you know? It's really, and it, you can't do it because you're also having to wait for those moments of like, all of a sudden the words that I want to say have appeared, you know? You, there's a lot of staring and going, I don't know what to say. And then they come. And when they come, oh my gosh, what a feeling. You're like, somehow I just wrote these three sentences that sum up something that I didn't know I knew about why talking about, you know, family can be so tricky and why, as opposed to sex or money, you know. And so when you make that space, the kind of words that you, your subconscious has known but hasn't made them known to you can come forth. But uh, waiting for them to come is hard. <laughs> What is the pitch on the, the book? What's the pitch? So the pitch is, it's a, it's a book about um, what can happen when you try to talk about hard things. Like when you lean into those conversations. And, and my point is like, this is not, this hard stuff is all stuff that we struggle with, right? So you're not going to be able to get around death or get around, you know, money struggles or differences in money with people in your life. But if you lean in and try to talk about the stuff that otherwise you just sort of try to talk around and not into because it feels a little scary, when you instead try to actually talk about the thing, what happens is it's like it reinforces your relationship. It gives you something more than you had before to help you with the hard thing. And so it's not like it's going to fix all your problems. It's not going to make someone come back if you're in grief and you need to talk about grief. But when you figure out how to talk about grief with someone, for example, and have someone alongside you in that, just that 
coming out of that isolation, you know, I think so much about what's hard about hard things is when we feel shame or alienation or stigma. Um, and so my argument is if we, if we try to just create a little bit more space to share around our messy, clumsy uncertainties, um, it helps. You... Were there hard things that you didn't want to talk about in this? Like things that are too hard? <laughs> Well, I wanted to, things that were too hard. I mean, I did want to share things that were hard that I had gone through. For example, um, you know, the end of my first marriage is how I start the book because that was a time in my life when I really thought, oh, if I just like keep trying and keep going to couples counseling and reading the books and like having another hard conversation with my ex-husband, soon to be ex-husband, we would figure this out. And instead it was what our hard conversations were revealing was, oh, we really, we wanted really different things, like fundamentally different things that uh, in a way that meant that our marriage wasn't going to work. Um, and kind of making the space to face that together. And just instead of, um, you know, like, I, 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 it made me realize, oh, so hard conversations don't always end in resolution. Sometimes they end in clarity that something needs to end. Um, but I found when I was sort of rebuilding what I wanted my work to be and what I wanted my life to be when I was like all of a sudden a young divorcee and I was like, oh, what I really like talking to people about is not like life hacks or like wisdom that they can tell me to like get around hard stuff. I want to talk to them about their own moments of uncertainty and transition because it just reminded me like, oh, I'm not the only person on planet Earth whose life has fallen apart and who's had to rebuild. <laughs> like, in fact, all of our lives have fallen apart in different ways. Um, and so that was sort of the beginning of it. But to answer your more specific question, like what's too hard? That's why I added the chapter about identity, because I wanted to really focus on like when I think right now in the conversations in my work and in my life where I have felt the most like I'm going out on a um, diving board that I'm not sure there's going to be enough water if I jump into the conversation. It's conversations about identity and difference and wanting to make sure that when I'm trying to be respectful and ask questions that it's not coming off as this cloying othering or cure you know curiosity that's not like dignifying so figuring out how to talk about difference among us and not immediately going to that space where i grew up which was to be like oh to show that i respect you i'm going to say like i totally get you i totally understand everything you're saying in fact talking about identity when you're talking across difference there's a lot to be said for having a hard conversation where you say oh, what you're describing is an experience I have never had, but I'm going to like listen and incorporate this into my worldview of how the world works. See, here's a question I have for you, right? You are very clear from the start of the book, right? Like this isn't a self-help help book. I'm not giving you like to a toolbox and steps to go through and fix your life kind of thing. And then also in the book, you talk about how when you were growing up, one of the things you did, of course, was in, to this day, I think you say, keep, you know, notebooks that have quotes in it or little things from songs or inspirations. And you talk about it uh, when you were writing these as a kid, right, that, that you thought they would be your toolbox that you would go back to. Do you think, you know, with the book out now and now that it's behind you and what you've created, do you look at this as the evolution of that notebook and the fact that, okay, cool, 
that isn't a real thing that could happen of you, you, you know, your first marriage would fail and you'd go back and go to page 13. And there'd be the perfect quote that sets you on your path. Is this the evolution of it? Cause like the book isn't self-help, but it is all these examples of people and their personal stories and how they've, you know, evolved their conversation and what that's done for their families or friends. Oh, I love that, Greg. I haven't thought of it in that way, but I really hope that that's what the book is. And for me and for people who pick it up, like I, I don't know about you all, but when I've had moments where like all of a sudden my life is hard in a way that I didn't expect, like there's something really wonderful about like, say you're going through a breakup when you would go to a bar with a bunch of people who'd also recently had breakups <laughs> and you just like hear the breakup, uh, you know, just like wallow together and talk about how stuff is hard. Like, I hope that the book can kind of function as that in your life, that it's like this companion that's like, oh, I'm not the only one who's had this hard thing. I'm comforted by hearing how somebody else had their version of a hard mm -hmm. thing. And I'm also like, it's not, this book is not self-help, but I also hope that seeing how other people sort of face something and then what the next steps they did after, like the, the, the very simple sentences that they came to, like saying things like, what I want has changed or saying something like, let's talk, you talk and I'm going to listen. You know, if you, in a family dynamic where you're trying to change what the relationship is, like, I do hope there are some very simple prompts that can be like, oh, this is the way I'm going to have that hard conversation. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, one of the things that spoke loudly to it, right, is that uh, stepping out and not talking about the book at all. We're doing a, a show, uh, me and Alana Pierce and Khalif Adams over at Cloud9. It's called Presence of Mind, and it's about mental health, and it's about, you know, keep in, in the gaming sphere, right? And we had a clinical psychologist on, and I asked them about, like, why is it that when you're sitting there wrestling with something, internalizing it, when you finally talk to somebody about it, it immediately feels like less of a burden, right? Even if there's no solution. And there's this example you give in the book, right? Where when you know your marriage is over and you call your family, or your, your mom and dad, right? And you break down in these heaving sobs and they just keep saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. They actually have a better quote than that. But I, I, right now for paraphrasing, it's going to be okay, right? And, and it was Nice. Yeah. And it's that thing of, I remember that so well of somebody else who got married super young, right? And that marriage failing and it, where it was carrying it around and carrying it around and carrying it around and then finally telling people and then breaking down while I told them, it was that thing of, okay, it's no longer there. And to long, no, no question involving all that. But what I love about the book and it not being self-help, but kind of being self-help is one of the things you talked about on Twitter when somebody's like, I burned through it in a, in a, in a night and a half. I couldn't put it down. And you're like, that's great. I kind of thought it was going to be something that you hold on to. And that's what I love about it is that you can pick it up now and read through all the different chapters, whether it's about death or about family or about et cetera, and read it now, but then come back to it when you're in that kind of situation. So even if you don't have someone to talk to, you have that kind of thing. Was that like, where's the impetus of the book come from, I guess? Cause obviously it comes from death, sex and money in some regard. Cause that becomes your career. And again, we're paraphrasing your entire life, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't see the game over Greggy Anna say, what is death, sex and money, I guess. And then how did the book come from that? Yeah, well, that's Sex and Money is is has been an interview show, a podcast that I've worked on with my team for seven years, and it's been it's been a show that came from that very idea, which was let's talk about this stuff that we often um, don't talk about out loud in public, that there's not as much public conversation about. So, uh, in, in the beginnings of the show, it was very much I was in that phase of 
rebuilding my life and trying to think of like what I wanted my life to be like. So I was just hungry for like any conversation about like, how do you do that? How did you do that? Tell me that story. Like I just wanted to collect different models and just understanding how people were making their way through, uh, particularly when they'd had a moment when of, of, of loss and, and moving through loss. Um, and the show has developed in that that's still like the DNA of it. And, but I think now it has kind of a larger mission of um, trying to model how to talk about this stuff in our own lives. Like maybe by listening to the show, you might find words for, oh, that's maybe how I feel about this thing. So maybe I should talk to this person in my life where we have this unspoken tension. And I've listened to that episode and it's given me a little bit more courage to try to have that hard conversation. And so the book was sort of like um, thinking about, people would ask me, how do you talk about hard? How do you get people to open up and, and talk about this sensitive stuff on a podcast? And I would say like, like I would give an answer, but I didn't really know, you know, it would be like, I ask open questions or I tell people that this is a community where we're trying to help one another. And that's why we're sharing. But I didn't know, um, like the tactics that you could share with someone to say, like, here's something you can try in your next conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. So the book was me trying to sort that out. And, and also I wanted to really understand for myself, like, why should we have these hard conversations? If someone is, if you're talking about death, if death is going to happen either way, like why linger on it? Why talk to your dying relative about how they're feeling about their impending death? Is there a utility to that that makes that conversation worth it? Because it's a hard, scary conversation to start. And my argument is yes. My argument is that that's a way to sort of reach out and say like, I want to acknowledge that you're not going to be with us forever, but I want to make sure I know what you want me to hear before you're gone. And I want to tell you what you mean to me. Um, and the same thing with like money, it's a different thing. Money is hard to talk about because like, it's just such a big amorphous thing that we have no training whatsoever with how to talk about it amongst our friends or even with our partners that we make financial decisions with. And I wanted to say like, here's why money is so hard to talk about. Because when you're talking about money, you're talking about your cultural values and how your family's raised you around, around you know, what you should do with resources. You're talking about your personality and how you feel about risk and how you feel about entrepreneurship and how you feel about sharing versus, you know, saving for your own security. And you're also talking about should we, what should our grocery bill be? So you're talking about all these different things at once. And I wanted to tease that out and say like, here's why talking about money is tough. If you recognize what all these layers in the conversation, it makes it easier. Cause then you see, oh, this is what's going on here. We've just gotten tangled up in this question of like, maybe like, should we share money with your family members, you know, your extended family, or should we not like, oh, how did you grow up around money? I grew up this way. I actually like the way you grew up around money more. Let's try that. You know, that kind of thing. You have that great story in the book of the person who's talking about the fact that they go to give somebody in their family money, right? And they're like, all right, I'll pay you back. It's, they're like, it's not a payback thing. Like, I'm only comfortable giving out money I know I won't get back. And I was like, that's a fascinating, fascinating way to tackle it. Because it does seem like when you're expecting someone to pay you back on a loan or something uh, they borrowed from you, that's where it always gets dicey, where you see them buy that outfit or that like uh, DVD or whatever. And you're like, could be my money. What are you doing? And like, I loved that idea. I, I thought that was an interesting takeaway from it. Uh, 
A fun story with that, actually, real quick, is uh, a long time ago, um, I when I was in college, I got financial aid, and I was in a place where like I was financially okay, and one of my friends needed some money, and I let him borrow $2,000, which was a lot of money. I mean, it still sure. is, but like uh, it was a lot of money for me when I was 18 or 19 or whatever, but I had it, so I was like, it's fine. You need this right now. Cool. And I totally knew I might not ever get it back. Just knowing him, knowing his life and all the situation, I was like, it's probably I'm just doing this to support him. And we've went now, uh, I guess, 11, 12 years, and it's never really come up. And then all of a sudden, he transferred $4,000 into my account. Oh. And I'm like, I didn't expect oh. it. And I, I told him, I'm like, bro, no, like, I'm, I'm paying this back. And he just insisted. And it's like, that's not the reason to do it, whatever. But I will say, like, that gesture more than the money itself, like, really, 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 like, connected with me. And I'm like, oh, my God, like. I haven't thought about this legitimately. I haven't thought about this in 10 years, but you did <laughs> to the point that now you're in a place to be able to pay it back. It's pretty cool stuff. And Tim, when you saw that transfer, like, did you, did you say, Hey, I just noticed this transfer from you. Should we talk about it? Or did, uh, did you like, what he, was he, it like? He actually texted me and he, he told me, he was like, Hey man, I just, uh, I just sent you money. Can you check your account to make sure it's there? And then that's when I checked. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, this is way too much. And we, then we had the conversation. I did call him and we, we then talked after that. And I, I, I really was like, it's okay. Like all of it, it's okay. I'll give you it back. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I need to do this. Um, and yeah, like, I feel like that was a, it, I mean, that, that didn't feel like a hard conversation in any way. It felt like a very, very easy conversation, honestly. But I do think that that goes back to kind of what you're talking about, the identity thing. And like, even just the type of person you are, the type of friend you are and, the values you have with, with that type of stuff. And, and including that with money, money gets so complicated, but I, I had it at the time and I was like, they need it. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't hard for you, but it sounds like for your friend for 10 years had been thinking about it. Exactly. And then wanted to like, it's crazy. Hey, I got to, you know, that's really interesting. Wow. That's the yeah. thing that's, I think, the hardest. And again, one of the things I think the book does so well about, you know, presenting other people's perspectives on the same issue and like talking about what goes on. Like, you know, just last week I connected with an old high school friend for the first time in 20 years. And I'm sure it'll be a podcast in the future we'll talk about. But it was this conversation that when we finally got on Discord to talk, the first thing he did after we like said hello was like, just a heads up, like, I'm sorry for if I was a dick in high school. And yeah, and I was like, Oh man, like that's not how I walked away from our friendship 20 years ago thinking, but it's fucked up to think that for 20 years you did that you thought that that was something I was carrying that like this other, you know, person's uh, perception of you would be negative. I, that blew my mind. You're like, "Oh, don't worry about it, dude. We've been like you've been a source of a lot of content for our podcast." <laughs> <laughs> We've talked shit for years. It's been great. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we hate you. No, it was different the other way. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to see how all of this compiles. And I want to talk more about that before I do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Kind of Funny Podcast. Each and every week, four, sometimes five, best friends gather around this table, each bringing whatever bullshit's going on in their life to the table to talk to you about it. If you like that, you can be part of the show at patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where, of course, you can write in with your own topics. You could watch the show live, just like Demetrius Newell, of course, is, who read your book, Anna, in three days. He put that in the chat. He, three days. It's a great read. I saw his tweet. <laughs> Matt Grover, Madeline Stanley, and so many more. Of course, patreon.com slash kind of funny is where you can get the show ad free. You can get it with the exclusive post show we do each and every episode twice a week. Uh, however, if you have no bucks to toss away, it's no big deal. You can head over to youtube.com slash kind of funny, roosterteeth.com, and podcast services around 
the globe each and every week. I'm still getting back into the swing, Tim, of hitting the table. Oh, yeah. And when I have yeah. a long stem wine wear in front of me, it's even harder. Yeah, I saw, throughout the I conversation, just drinking the wine. It's like, oh, Greg. No, I'm having say, such I, a day. What a I day. Saw, I saw Greg read you for the water, like just trying to sober up in any way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that I actually feel so good. You know what I mean? Because it was that thing of like, let's go. And it was me, Joey, and Snowbike Mike drinking wine. So you know things can get hairy out there and then bear drinking beer bear shirtless. But I have done fine at pacing myself and I'm in a great place to talk to Anna and everybody else. Uh, and then you go to those other places to get it for free. Of course, there are ads. There is no post-show, but you still get a good time. Uh, housekeeping for you if you are watching this in the week it goes live on Friday on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We will be streaming for the Palestine Children's Relief Foundation. You can go donate to this charity at kindoffunny.com slash Palestine. Right now, uh, we will be kicking off at 11 a.m. Pacific and going going for who knows how long but we will be there raising money for this great charity to help uh the civilians of palestine thank you to our patreon producers uh joshua schroeder delaney twinning julian the gluten-free gamer steve powers today we're brought to you by me undies but i will tell you about that you know what right now this episode is brought to you by me undies i love me undies i have loved them for years legitimately almost everything i wear is me undies i'm wearing a me undies shirt right now of course i got the undies on i got some me undies lounge shorts going on and some me undies socks why because of their soft micro modal fabric i love it so much i want it all over my body and that's what i do each and every day of my life and guess what me undies makes it easy to match too you can match your bottom half to your better half or halves yes you can match your friends too me undies helps you find matching pairs in the style and color or print of undies that's right for you and your boo because who doesn't love a secret twinning moment i know i do me and gia do it all the time whether it's us matching just the simple black or matching some fun bold prints like with little sushis all over it sushi sushis what's the plural i don't know how that works doesn't matter what does matter is you can get 15 percent off your first order and free shipping by going to meundies.com slash morning that's meundies.com slash morning to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Meundies.com slash morning. Sushis. And now we're back. Now we're back to the show. Yeah, okay. So, Anna, it's something you, you talked about in the very top of, okay, cool. Like, you know, you go into this audio booth, you have two other guys out there who don't know you, and you start burying your soul in all these things. On Death, Sex, and Money you often talk about your own personal things. You relate that to the, your subject when you're interviewing them, talk to them. But it is it is rare to see you get as in-depth as you get in this book with what's been going on in your life and your personal experiences. Were you aware when you started writing you were going to go that in-depth with it? Were you shy about that? And then back half of the question, I, I want to know what your husband Arthur thought about all that. Because Arthur stri strikes me as the quiet one in the relationship who isn't out there bearing his soul to everyone who will listen. Meanwhile, you're like, let me tell you everything about this doctor appointment I had. <laughs> <laughs> I know. God bless Arthur. And really, God bless like the partners of all podcasters everywhere you know, who put up with what like, <laughs> we hear truth. about our lives. Um, but I, let's see. So when I thought, I, I actually was sort of interested to um, write the memoir stuff. It's different from what I do on the show, but I wanted to really like, I think uh, because when you're an interviewer, people, um, and I'm, I, I, I've like learned how to be a good interviewer. You know, I'm good at talking about hard things when I'm talking with strangers. And in my personal life, I am not as good. And I wanted to explore that gap. And I wanted to see like, 
what does happen to me when I'm in an argument with Arthur, you know, about something and we're trying to like figure out who's right and I'm having a hard time listening because I'm being reactive instead of like really trying to understand where he's coming from. Um, because I think that's where hard conversations are hardest when they're in the real world. So I wanted to um, explore that and not just in my relationship with Arthur, but also, as you mentioned, I had a like interesting doctor's appointment with my OBGYN, a male doctor, right after my first baby was born. He was so wonderful. He was like, uh, I'll make the story short so nobody gets too uncomfortable. But I, I said to him, I was like, oh, you know, I want to change up my birth control because I, I, I think we're going to have a second baby, try to have a second baby. And then I made a joke, like, not that we've needed birth control that much, you know, because we're at home with an infant. And I thought I was just making like a funny joke. And he was like, let's talk about that. What's going on? And I was like, oh, and he had just before mentioned that he listened to my podcast. So mm. he knew that I was supposed to be a professional talker about hard things. So I was like, okay, Anna, you have to keep eye contact and you have to just say <laughs> little different when you have a baby in your bedroom all of a sudden like that changes the way that romance happens and and it opened up this really wonderful conversation where he was like you know that's totally natural normal happens to all couples you know after they become parents but you know maybe just talk with your partner about that talk with arthur about that because um i do know for second babies if you're if your patterns have changed and all of a sudden you're trying to get pregnant it can create a lot of pressure if you haven't talked about like just how are we relating to each other physically and i thought that was so like i loved that doctor i thought he was he didn't have to do that he could have been like laughed at my bad joke and moved right on and he instead <laughs> was like well, let's talk about this. This is not, un this is totally normal, totally fine. Let's name it, give you some tools to go home and talk about it with your partner. Um, and I was, so then I wrote about that. And then I said to Arthur, hi, sweetie, is it okay if I write about this in a book? Hi, sweetie. And, <laughs> And to his credit, I mean, he didn't just edit the parts of the book that were about us. I mean, he's a very gifted writer and helped me with the whole thing, which I just feel so, so much gratitude for. But he, his attitude was like, is it, if it's true, like, I don't feel it's okay to share it. Like, I'm, I'm okay with it, um, which is not everybody's, not everybody has to feel that way, but that was his, his kind of feeling. He's like, if you feel like sharing it and if it's true, and if you think it'll be helpful for people to read it, then it's okay by me. Yeah. And I mean, let him know that I think he comes out like a champ in the book. And for me, it's, the, you know, because don't get me wrong. I've heard about this Arthur for a long time on Death, Sex, and Money. <laughs> All right. We've had conversations off camera about him, but I've never been sure about him. But I love, I, I, I found the story of you going to visit him that first time in Wyoming and you guys go to that wedding, right? And he gave you, he's like, I didn't realize it was the same weekend. You don't have to come. You come and then you have that. He, he senses that you're having a moment. This is your first big thing after the divorce, your first time seeing a nuptial after the divorce. And that when you're walking and he's like, I'm going to leave you and you can come meet me at the car. And it was that thing of like, just to give you a moment of space to breathe. I was like, that is such a pro move. Like that is such a cool move. Writing that one down. Like so cool. Like yeah. so Because cool. I was trying to be like all wrapped up and fine. I was like, no, I'm okay. And he's like, uh, here's what's happening. You're going to go sit in those woods. It was outside, sit on a log just for a minute. And I'm going to go to the truck and you meet me there when you're ready. And it was just like, oh, 
like not only was it I needed to like have a little cry in the woods by myself just to like let it out it also was this incredible like sign that um this was somebody who I could be in a relationship with and he could handle me having like feelings without them all being about him you know mm -hmm. that I, I didn't always have to think how is he gonna respond to this and then contort and manage so I didn't create something, you know, and, and that was like, wow, such a blessing. And I needed it because we did get together, you know, pretty quickly. I, I met him soon after my divorce and I was like, I was, I was on wobbly legs. I was not <laughs> ready for prime time. And so it just created this way for us to like, talk about what's going on with you, what's going on with you. And and for me to find my way back to being sort of courageous enough to, to, to be ready to commit. Yeah. Makes sense. Guys, do you have any questions about the book? Cause I want to move the conversation in to kind of funny podcast territory. If I had ready. a question. I had a question about the editing process just really quick. I like, were there ever any moments with the editor where they said, uh, maybe you kind of lost me right here, Anna. And then like, did you ever have the feeling of like, no, it's good. Like, <laughs> I know what I, I'm talking about. You I don't know anything, there. editor. Yeah, like because I can imagine after lots of editing and after you know, it can. It seems like it can be a frustrating process. Were there any of those? Like, eh, I think it's okay. I think it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I think like small things like word choice, I would get kind of connected to because I, like you say, Greg, like I have a, I have a voice, a way that I write on the podcast. Yeah. I have a way, like this, a, a sensibility. So stuff like that. But I will say book editors, God bless them. They <laughs> like, they, they are like babysitters. They, they have to deal with so many like feelings from authors and also deal with writing and, and also do a lot of pep talks. And for me, the most, um, uh, the, the most consistent conversation I had with my editors where they would say, you've told this story either about yourself or about someone else and it's a beautiful story and then it just ends and you need to tell the reader what should they have learned from that story like what is their way to make that particular story more broadly applicable and that was where I that's just something I haven't done on the podcast on the podcast I say here's this story the end take it with you <laughs> And for the book, they were like, no, no, you you can like step a little bit more into an expert role and say, here's how I want this to be helpful for you. Here's how, you know, a few more paragraphs at the end of that story. And that was really hard for me because I just didn't have the confidence at first. But again, because they were great coaches and cheerleaders and pep talk givers, I, I got those sections in. I, the this, question I have, okay, go, go for it, Greg. No, 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 please, please, please. Uh, on some back end stuff, and this is just stuff I'm always super interested in. Uh, my fiance loves books, like read so many books in a way that I can't even imagine how she goes through them so quickly. But she's always, I'm always asking her, and she's telling me about how books differ from the media that I typically consume, like movies and comic books and video games and et cetera. And uh, something I always think is interesting is the value that the authors she loves put on pre orders in a way that we deal with it in the video game industry and we understand like the economics of all of it and like the incentives of a GameStop, for example, trying to get you to pre-order XYZ for whatever reason, money, but like there's more than that. But with the, the book side of it, it's like there's, it sounds like there's so many things in place where pre-orders are like the majority of the orders of the books. And like, that's how you hit yeah. the lists and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, pre it's so interesting to me. I mean, you probably know this from video games, but like, 
this is not my world. So I'm learning it as I'm writing this book and as this book is coming out and I'm like, oh, this is all so interesting. Like basically book writing is such a like, it's it's just a casino, you know, cause like it's hard to get a book to get a lot of attention, you know? And when you're one or, one of those books that just catches all of a sudden, it's a huge success. But before, before it has caught or even had the opportunity to catch there's so much sort of positioning where you've got to get like the bookstores excited about putting you in their window. And that is why it's not just pre-orders to get the orders. And so you sell the books, but also to show the bookstores, like this is a book that people are interested in. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you have it in your store. Um, and, and so that, that kind of thing. So, um, that was, that's been really interesting to me. And, and the thing that, is also very different, I think, from the media that we make and consume compared to books is holy runway book writing and publishing. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, I finished, I think I locked the manuscript very close to locked the manuscript right around Christmas time. And then I had these five months of like very, you know, maybe a little bit more copy editing that was happening and recording the audiobook, but otherwise it was just like, lining up the book launch and that's a lot of waiting i'm i'm really love finishing a podcast episode and putting it out into the world and immediately know? getting the feedback immediately yeah. sort of yeah. hearing what people think feedback. yeah it's so interesting because the other thing i didn't know with books is it takes a while to consume so like mm. this book's only been out now uh, two weeks and so the first book like people hearing showing me that they were interested in the book was like holding the book in their hands and now like two weeks in i'm hearing from people who have finished it or who are like two chapters in because they're it takes a time to read a book you know and so it's interesting that um you can't just like get it that day read the whole thing you know you you maybe could, but um and Demetrius got it done in three days. So. <laughs> Give credit where credit's due. Good job, Dan. But you know, it's like this interesting you're you're in someone's life for a little bit longer because it's the book that they pick up at the end of the day instead of a podcast episode that they listen to yeah. while they're cooking one meal the night you mm. put it out. Yeah. Well, that's what's been interesting for me, you know, of switching over from reading it to listening to it while I was doing some work is the fact that it, we actually put it on in the house while we were uh, getting the house ready uh, for a get together over the weekend. And it, Jen oh. was listening to it, too. And it was that idea of like, as soon as I started, I was like, oh, I fucked up. I should have done this the whole way. Not that I don't like reading or anything, but it's just like it's so much more how I know you. Right. Like, it's just another version of right. that. And it was all of a sudden an eight hour death, sex and money <laughs> rather than the <laughs> usual way of I'm listening and you wrap up. And I'm like, that, that music's from the Reverend. I'm like, God, this is already over. This episode's <laughs> done. God just keeps going. I love it so much. Um, but one of the questions I want I had about the book too is, and I think this is interesting, you know, our friend uh, uh, Jason Schreier came on uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily lately. He just wrote a book called Press Reset and he said the exact same thing you're talking about of like, you, you, our worlds are so similar, right? Of like, he writes articles, we do podcasts, he does podcasts too, but like, it's instant and you're cranking through things so many times. Do you think that this book is getting into your friends and family's hands in a different way. I feel like I am the same. I, I, you know, on this show and all of our shows, we overshare all the time, but I don't think my, yeah. you know, extended family listens to every episode of the kind of funny podcast or every Thank episode God. of kind of oh funny games. God. Thank God. I know. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I found it funny on one of the more recent episodes of uh, death, sex and money. It was, uh, 
you and Noel King. And Noel King talked about the same stuff of like, you start talking about your sex life and I don't want to hear it. And da, da, da. have you had that same re- uh, vibe from family and friends who are reading this book? Yes. And you know who's felt it more than me? Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, he's had people, grad students or like work colleagues who are like, huh, read Anna's book. And Arthur's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> right. <laughs> What questions do you have? <laughs> yeah. He's got to tell yeah. everybody he knows, like, no, you, like, don't talk. Like, I have one rule. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Please buy the book, but don't yeah. tell me about the book. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that makes funny. sense. That's, that's a you, good rule. I will put it on to him. <laughs> as, the, as the creator of this, do you have a preference if people consume it as an audio book or as a book, or do you, do you care either way? You know, I hadn't really thought about it. I sort of thought I always pictured it as a book because I'm not really an audiobook person. But what's been so cool is learning about how many people in my life are audiobook people. And it's made me want to be an audiobook person. Like, I'm just like, oh, I could bring, I could like consume so many more books if I were an audiobook person. Um, Let me tell well, you, the Star Wars Heir to the Throne. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll start that. I mean, really, Tim, what people ought to do do is they got they need to have one for their bookshelf and then they also need to buy the audiobook so that they can experience both and then maybe also buy a book for every person in their life that they want to have a hard conversation Mm -hmm. with while we're here (laughs) while we're here this is worth a shout out too yeah if you remember i tweeted about this that you know you sent me an advanced copy and i was so thankful but then i forgot that i pre-ordered it so i got the hardcover in and what i did with that hardcover is i sent it off to emmett watkins jr who is a kind of funny best friend but more importantly blew my mind when i throw out recommendations about stuff all the time of like listen to this read this watch that whatever and when I was listening, or when it, it, he tweeted that he was on Death, Sex, and Money when you guys were doing oh, like your Black yeah. Lives Matter stuff. He wrote in and you read his thing, and ta- he talks about kind of funny and Spawn on Me and Blessing. And I was like, this is, I listened to it while I was doing dishes like I always do. And I was like, this is mind boggling. So I was so happy to send him my extra book. That's cool. so cool. I'm so glad Evan has it in his hands. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. and then let's get was- a question. I'm oh, sorry, go on. No, no, please, Anna, go. Oh, I was going to Hey, the, the other person on Twitter who was a kind of funny super fan, whose wife was a Death, Sex, and Money super fan, and finding out about the book from you, he got to he got the book in his wife's hands. Oh, yeah. There's more points. crossover than you think. You know what I mean? There's more crossover oh. than you think. People love podcasts. Uh, Timothy Geddes from kindoffunny.com. Yeah. Before you get into the, the Patreon stuff, the last question I have about this audiobook versus book thing, do they both count as the same sale? Like whatever numbers to get on the charts to get on all those like things that matter. Like, is do audiobooks oh, count as books? Tim's gonna want to sell a book now. Greg, get ready, dude. Get ready. What if we write down oh, the podcast? <laughs> I will tell you all of the. I, I think the book industry is so interesting and the business because it's it's like how does this all work? So they, from what I can tell, from the numbers that I see, it's all sort of counted differently there's like hardcover there's ebook there's audiobook but it's like um some ways they're counted as all you know one big number and then they're also broken apart and people measure them in different ways yeah good to know 
Fascinating. Tim's thinking how to game the system <laughs> gonna, on whatever. Yeah, we Tim's do. gonna take the last podcast and just have it all like <laughs> text to speech or speech yeah. to text. <laughs> well, I remember when Kevin Smith did that. He took his blogs and put them into a book, and I'm like, this is cheating, but I bought the book. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, this is a question for the panel, of course, but we'll start with Anna. Uh, Grant Burton writes in and said, writes into Patreon.com/slash kind of funny, just like you can, and says, "What do you want to be remembered for?" And your entire life centers around death in some regards, or at least every other week, it seems. What do you want to be remembered for when it's all said and done? <sighs> this Man. podcast, right? You all this are episode. bringing it. Oh, there's but more. Don't worry great. about it. They knew you were coming. They loaded it up with serious topics today. You know, um, uh, it's like it, this podcast is kind of part of it. It's like I want to be remembered for both in my work and in my personal life. Uh, for for being someone that um, you know was a was a good companion, <laughs> you know helped make life uh, easier, richer. Um, sure. uh, so that's a really broad answer. But you know you know what that question makes me think about is um, I asked that very question, those same words to uh, Bill Withers, the musician. Like lean on me, and and he, in the very first episode of Death, Sex, and Money, I said, "What do you want to be remembered for?" And he laughed and he said, "I know what I'm going to be remembered for. It's those songs that I get the most checks for." <laughs> he like was like, "I know what based on royalty statements, I know what I'm going to be remembered for." And and we've of course lost him last year, um, but then he went on to say, like he just wishes people remember that he he said I could have done better, but I did all right, and I just like. That's sort of the attitude I have. It's like um, I added something, uh, and I just tried my tried my very best. Oh yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, I think, and I think it's similar to mine, right? I, my, my whole thing, I think, is you know, especially uh, with what kind of funny is and the best friends and everything we talk about. It, I want to be remembered for being a good person and for fighting the good fights and for like you know. I, you know, I obviously I'm obsessed with Superman to an unhealthy degree and like, but you know, without the superpowers or the good body, <laughs> like trying to be a friend <laughs> no, to everybody Greg, and trying you, to, you look great, Greg. No, Andy, great. don't lie, Andy. I'm not even using the standing desk from upstart to stand up. All right. You know what I mean? Get out of here, Andy. You look fine, man. You look no, fine. <laughs> but it's about, yeah, you know, like I want to be remembered as contributing something good. I want to, you know what I mean? I, it's, it's the weird thing. I, I'll have that realization every so often of like. Uh, you know, I, during quarantine, we've watched so much content. You know what I mean? It's, I remember when it used to be like, oh, it's movie night, as if that would be like a rare thing you did. Whereas every night now, it's like Hulu, Amazon, Netflix. What are we actually going to actually end up on tonight? So we watched so many documentaries. And so when we watch a documentary that is about something that is like from 2000 or even not even the date doesn't matter, I guess. But entertainment, it does strike me every so often of like, man, eventually there's going to be some kind of documentary about the rise of Patreon or the rise of podcasts or whatever the hell it is. And like, not that we'll necessarily be included in it, but maybe we will be. And if so, I hope it is like, there was this group called kind of funny that, yeah, Greg took his shirt off a lot and drank wine on a random Wednesday, but like they were trying <laughs> to motivate people to trying. be better. And they were trying to be friends to not only them, each other, but the, you know, the fifth best friend of the table, the audience member. Like, I hope that's what we end up being. I mean, so I'm, I'm right there with that. And I think that for me, the, the, when you ask the question, the first thing that came to my mind is just relationships. And I, I hope that like I'm remembered for the relationships I have with people. And Greg, you bring it up the fifth best friend thing. I think that counts as well. Like 
community is so important like not just the kind of funny community or like internet communities or whatever but like even just the neighborhood you're in or like the 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 household that you have like communities within communities and all the different things and I, i i think that the more you kind of allow yourself to be yourself with others and then vice versa to you it's kind of like those are the moments that i i hope to be most remembered for and i hope that the people that i have relationships with uh both in real life or on the internet or any which way like mean something to them like like the, the, they sit with them and when i'm gone or whatever it's like they'll still have that piece of me you know sure. that i forget the phrase but it's like you know you're you don't you die twice right you die when you actually die with the die last time somebody like talks about you and it's like i hope that after i'm gone the people talking about me are are stoked to be talking about me (laughs) (laughs) Um, i want to be remembered for being real and being honest um how how tall are you uh six foot four okay well keep working on it six foot four really tall standing desk by the way really tall up here um yeah i don't know i think i think i i think i'm very open with some of the like mental stuff that i go through whether it be like my anxiety or adhd and stuff and i love getting replies from people and dms and just saying like oh man i'm so glad you talked about that because i thought it was just me and now i'm gonna go look for help or now i'm gonna go seek out and try to you know get diagnosed or whatever um and also just i don't know internet content can be so fleeting right it can it's so hard to stay motivated because the amazing thing you put so much work into the next week you got to just do something else and it can it can feel like ah dang like that's just forgotten now and now i got to work on something else but i think overall the the another great sort of thing that we get from people and just responses i think all of us do is just like hey man like you you're making my day a lot better like you know the mundaneness of my job or i'm going through a tough time listen to your podcast y'all make me laugh so much and i think that i think that definitely matters a lot like just making people feel good you know yeah i like to think that that is universal for kind of funny, right? Because I remember distinctly, and this is years and years and years ago, and I will not name names, but at, being at IGN, and we did a, like, this is like 2007, 2008, did an all-hands meeting, and I remember some one of the older editors got up there and was like, it was like trying to be this like sharing thing and it was but he got up there and it was just like the most real shit of all time where he just got up there he's like uh yeah nothing we do does matters and every day we put up a new article and the article from the next day doesn't matter nobody cares about and it was like that how cold the internet was for what we were doing and also i guess for how cold the internet was for what that person thought they were making whereas what we make i think is so different and i and obviously you're in the same boat with death sex and money of a podcast that does influence people and does brighten people's lives and does open doors for them and, and makes them think in a different way. Right. Is that, that you feel that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love how you describe that. I love that noticing that that's not what I want to do. I think I can build something more meaningful in people's lives. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been doing this for so long that I get to already see that. And don't get me wrong. It makes me feel incredibly old when uh, so many people come up. I started listening to you in junior high and I just graduated college and now I'm I'm like, oh, God, you know what I mean? But like, stop. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> nice to know we already do. And like now the one that the one that devastates me every time somebody says it and it's such a raw nerve and new emotion, but is like 
I'll say something or do something or have a private message with somebody or help somebody. And they're like, you're going to be a great dad. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? I'm like, shit, I didn't ever thought about that. Of like, you know, again, what we do so much with this podcast and learning from our experiences and our, our, our failures, you know, the things we've learned over time, I hope is in some way, not being a parent to you, but showing like, hey, this is maturing and this is growing and this is changing and enriching somebody else's life. So we'll see. Mm. Greg, I want to tell you, I sent an email to someone yesterday with some, just some tips, a little advice. They were asking me a question and then they responded and said, you're such a mom. And I wrote back and I said, just so you know, I'm taking that as a 100% compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, that was the thing about it where it's like, you know, I, 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 this is for everybody. If you want an inception, weird full circle idea for everybody who's listening or watching this. Whenever we go and do a kind of funny meet and greet, whenever we go and meet fans at an event, whenever we throw a kind of funny live, whenever we're just at E3 and you stop me and want a photo and yet whatever, nine times out of 10, somebody will usually go, I don't know what to say, or I feel like I know you. And I'm always like, oh, you do. You listen to the podcast. You do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. That is me with Anna, where I feel like Anna and I are best friends, but then I have to remember, <laughs> Anna and I have hung out once. We've exchanged the occasional DM or whatever, but like, no, I listen to her podcast quite a bit. And so that's the same thing of like, oh, right. Like that, it's there, but it's not, but it's there. But it is that same idea of what you're talking about of like, you know, enriching somebody's life and making these things happen. Yeah. Oh. And that's why it was weird. Like, you know, when, when uh, I thought it was awesome in the episode you guys just did about, uh, uh, dang, your friend who, uh, who doesn't know if she wants to be a mom. What was her name? Yeah. Avery. Yeah. Avery. And, and, and she, you start, you were like, she, she pulled up at one second. You're like, no, 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 be unflinching. What do you think of me as a mom? And she's like, basic. And you're like, I am basic, but I'm also, I don't feel basic. And I was like, damn, this is like such a thing of like, if I like that, cause I had that brief moment of like listening to your, uh, uh, or reading the book, but I think it was actually, yeah, when I was still reading it and it was, you started getting into like the sex stuff and this thing. And I was like, damn, yeah. Okay. Anna's taught like, there's the moment where uh, again, I'm spoiling it. I don't mean to put you on blast, but Arthur gets out of bed and you're like, I get to have sex with that. And I'm like, all right, this is Anna who I think of as yeah, a mom. Right. But like, Obviously, a mom doesn't mean you're not sexy and doesn't mean you don't have sex. Moms have sex. That's how it happens. Yes, every mom contains multitudes. Put that on the shirt. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, and that's, again, that's my own, I think, uh, it's, it's my relationship with you through the podcast of what I know you as, right? But then to have a more behind the scenes conversation with you via the book, not in real life, but like, you know, that evolving, because it's the same thing of, you know, like, I think of, you know, my wife, Jen, being pregnant right now, uh, 20 weeks tomorrow, right? And it's like, you know, when we brought her on the podcast a couple weeks ago and had her as the guest, it was, you know, that like we we had made the agreement and not like a spoken agreement, but we both knew that like throughout this pregnancy, you know, no matter what, we're not pulling punches when we talk about it. And so like when I think it was Tim or whatever is like, so what's been happening? And Jen's like, my tits are huge. <laughs> it was like, that's where we're at. And that's what we'll talk about. And we're going to talk about the rest of the changes her body Let's are, is going through. Let's talk about those tits. Let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, that's what it, 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 it's all about is that it is like this kaleidoscope. And it isn't like you're just a mom. You're just this thing. You're just that person. Yeah. I'm so excited for that, for that experience for you, Greg. It's going to be really, it's Wow. What a journey. It is, yeah. You know, it's it's more real every day. And that's the thing, you know, uh, 
when it all started, it was that idea of like, man, nine months is such a long time. And so now being even 20 weeks in and being like, oh my God, that has flown by. Dude, and then yeah. to be like, it's going to be October before we know it and all these different things and all these different milestones. And it's so much like the work schedule I know from the video game industry of like, all right, cool. You finished E3, but then there's Comic-Con, but in between that, there's this event. So there's always the next release, next thing to do. And so every doctor's appointment, every meeting, every whatever is the next thing to do. And like every so often I'll do that thing where, you know, I'll catch that glimpse and be like, oh my God, like you're so much bigger. Like, you know what I mean? The Jen's baby bump. And as it continues to go and like, the conversations we continue to have. And then it's that idea of like, yeah, like come October, it's a brave new world. <laughs> I don't know what's on the other side of it. Dude, what all, tips do you have for me, Anna? I was going to say all bets are off in the pandemic, Greg. Like time means nothing, dude. Also we true. are also 10 true. days away from June. It was like, oh. it was New Year's Day a couple of fucking days ago in my mind. Like I, it, yeah. it just happened. It's so weird, dude. Like no, when you said nine months is a long time, I immediately just like rolled my eyes. No shot, dude. It is right. so short, especially right now. Yeah. I mean, my only main tip about thinking about the emotions of pregnancy is I think there's so much um, emphasis on like the, that, the due date or when the baby comes. Yeah. And like, just remember the baby comes and then the baby is going to still be with, going to keep being with <laughs> you. It's going to keep changing. So this idea, I, I was really comforted by remembering like, oh, I don't need to actually have the, the crib totally figured out because the baby is going to be sleeping in a bassinet for the, the first like three months, for example, you know, yeah. like the baby, you're, the way that you have to, what you have to be prepared for is going to change and you have time to like, really the first few months of a baby being born, it's kind of a lump. It's a lump that cries. Oh, yeah, it doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't do anything else. I've heard so much. We, we were, reading, we're reading all the books and this idea of the fourth trimester of like, theoretically, this baby should stay in three more months. But because the way we've evolved, it can't. So it comes out and doesn't do anything. So funny. I love it. Okay, great. Strap it to our chest, play video games. I got it. I can do that. Don't worry about that. God, I can't wait for this, Andy. I, I, like, my gosh, dude. Like, Greg, hats off to all parents out there because – you know, you're talking about, you know, Anna, you mentioned like, oh, I don't need to do about the crib right now, right? We can think about that later and have that be something we push off. For me, it's like, gosh, if I if I want to get this TV mounted, but like, what if I'm forced <laughs> to move out of here in a couple of months? I don't know. Like, I, like, that's how my brain works. I'd just be way too paranoid. Tim, I would have by like, if I were becoming a parent in month one, I would have clothes for like year four. Yeah, like that's exactly. just like I'm just like just in case you never know what's going to totally. happen with this You're baby. Super prepared for like the wrong things. So yeah. You're not prepared at all for the things that you need now. Totally, totally. <laughs> oh, I mean, you you appreciate the choir. I have the what right behind me over here, like the the Ghostbusters Ecto One that's like ages three and up. But I'm like, send it to me, Hasbro. I will sit on it. <laughs> Give me all those little tiny chokeable pieces, please. Oh, but, like, I can't wait for it because when the when the kid's here and he's like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's a cool toy and i'm like take it down this is all this it's all anything the light touches play with i don't care <laughs> go with it let's go oh man let's dial it back from childbirth and and i should have asked you that i forget when when is your heart you had a heart out at one point what time's your heart out i'm i'm doing okay were you just gonna move to childbirth because we can really dig in there if you all want <laughs> i i what the the overwhelming uh, podcast 
The overwhelming <laughs> advice we've been given by people is to not look at childbirth videos and not worry about it. every childbirth is different. Maybe they'll be tearing. Maybe there won't be. Like, just don't worry about it. Like, that's something you got to experience on your own. Let's not get into it. I was going to dial it back to marriage. So before most people get to the child, uh, Brandon H. writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny and says, everyone, I'm getting married on June 12th. Whoa. Congratulations. Congratulations, Brandon. Uh, I'm writing in for some advice. Firstly, how do I make the most of my wedding day? Parentheses, if I'm able to have one, COVID, lol. And then second, my wife and I will be moving in together. Any tips to help the transition? Lastly, how do I make the first year of marriage the best it can be? Thanks, y'all. Brandon. Now, I know, of course, Tim, you've been engaged forever. Andy, mm-hmm. you are single and you are mingling. I'm I still single think- as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Greg, I've got two cases of Mountain Dew Rise behind me. The brand new, like, uh, that's how single I am right now, okay? <laughs> you can still talk to these points because I think we've all had days we want to remember and make special. And then, secondly, we've all in some way lived with someone. So I think it's a, we're all over the, and Tim, obviously, I'm not trying to downplay it i know you and g have lived together for a while now so anything else like that but like yeah, yeah so first off how do you make the most of your wedding day anna sale you are just like me you've been married twice what have you learned <laughs> i had, had two wedding days um uh but I, I will talk about my wedding day with arthur because that's that that one i just um have such sweet memories of and and one really good piece of advice that i got was just figure out at some point in the middle of the party when you're gonna just get to have a little moment with your Mm, partner you know mm. whether it's like you you know after the ceremony before you join the dance party or if you you know when you're eating maybe you sit at a table where it's just the two of you and then you join the rest of the people but but just that moment when you can like look into each other's eyes and realize like oh my gosh all of this celebrating and ceremony is honoring our love and what we're building together um because that's what it's about. It's about that. That it's about your relationship with the person you're marrying, and and, and um, just find a little moment. Doesn't have to be long, but just to have that, have that little uh, that that look into each other's eyes. And also, I think maybe talk ahead of time about what you want to happen when the party is over that night. Maybe you just want to sleep. <laughs> maybe you want to not sleep. But just so everybody has their expectations clear, that's a good thing to talk about. Now. Tim, Andy, I want your I, I want your answer for this first part, of course. How do you make the most of your wedding day? But for the question I'm, a, I'm about to ask Anna, I want you to be quiet, all right? Okay. Anna, should I open the second bottle of wine? Because I feel like I should. Is there someone who can help you finish it? No, it's if, just me and the not- baby's mama. <laughs> Small, okay. Greg, I think that wine bottle number one is finally starting to hit you. <laughs> I don't think so, but I'll put it down. Open it's fine. It, I'll it. Yeah, all right, all right. No, I'm just saying. We're starting we to get Greg say things like the baby's mama. The baby's mama, yeah. You know, I don't like to call her that. Like, you know what I mean? Because she'll punch me in the head if she hears me say it. But let's just call a spade a spade, all right? Oh, my God. No, so, I mean, for, my, my, for you know, how to uh, uh, make the most of your wedding day, Brandon, it, it goes back to exactly what Anna's saying, but then also to extrapolate even more from a wedding day what i applied to jedi's wedding day is the same thing i've talked about from uh what i learned at beyond 200 and then up through kind of funny live is the idea of yeah you need to have that moment where you're like wait a second i need to take this in i need to actually be fully present in how 
crazy this is that all these people are here for me or it's just you guys or you're just doing something special or whatever it's going to be but you know i was talking about beyond 200 of coming off stage and i believe it was devin but one of the one of the uh it's kind of funny best friends ign beyond best friends uh was sobbing just crying and i was like is everything okay we finished the show i was like is everything okay and he was like yeah it's just this is so special and it was that moment where I took into I'm like, oh my God, I, I hadn't even stopped to think about the fact that we had brought hundreds of people to, here for this podcast that traveled around the world and the globe. And so for Beyond 300, Beyond, or kind of funny uh, live one, two, three, and prom, like I've always made that moment. And especially if you remember it, kind of funny live three, where I snuck out into the crowd during uh, uh, t- boy orgy, right? With the, the awesome. inflatable tube men and all that stuff where I like, uh-huh. I was out there next to people. And it was that moment where we're all partying. They turned to me like, Oh my God, Greg. And I was like, yeah, but let's not take photos. Like, let's have a moment. Like we're doing this of like, this is crazy. And my mom's here and this is happening. And it's just like, you have those things come around. So few and far between those moments are so few and far between. Yeah. And so that for the wedding, right. It, it'll always be, you know, leaving uh, the bar we went to where Jen and I had our first drink and date to then go to where we were having the wedding dinner. And I'll never forget it of, you know, we got married at the courthouse. Uh, we're all dressed to the nines. Uh, we're walking along the Embarcadero here in San Francisco. And it's Jen in front with her sister dancing, me playing this French song that me and Jen had as an inside joke, but my best friend Poe with me, you know, my mom behind us, uh, and, uh, Jen's mom behind us, my dad behind us. And me and Poe singing the song and me having that moment of like, wow, this song that Jen and I have had a joke about for our entire relationship that I never would have been able to explain to my best friend, explain to my family is playing while we go. People on the, it was a beautiful sunny day, which is rare in San Francisco. Uh, People on the Embarcadero are honking and cheering us and passerbys. And it was like, that was the moment for me where I I, I like to think I remember everything from that day, but that's like the crystal clear, like locked in on that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I, Barrett. Hey, you're still here. And I forgot you're married. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're what, up, what's your advice for making the most of your wedding day? I mean, uh, yeah, having that moment. Yeah, we're coming up on our one year in a, a few weeks here, um, and it, I, our story is a little weird because we got married uh, what like almost two, three months into into staying at home, and it, it was one of those things where we had to. We didn't have to cancel venues right away. We we got to put like hold them for for the year after and stuff like that. And so, and so like it, yeah, our whole plans got flipped on on their head. And you know, Greg came over to you know officiate and uh, and that was the weird thing too because that was like the first yeah. time I had been around people the yeah. entire time. Yeah, and like yeah, having Greg in our backyard and just signing the papers. And so like the the actual uh, like. The, event wasn't like the the big thing but like the the celebration afterwards where it was like a drive-by celebration where, where people uh drove by and that was the first time that like i had seen more than just uh Alyssa, andy who's our roommate and uh our other roommate maria at the time uh for a few months it was the first time seeing like the friends and loved ones and it was, it was just like that weird moment where like Everybody at the the from the office had like weirdly for the most part had weirdly come at like the same time and like seeing everybody yeah. like that was a moment where like even Andy came outside with his like cute little button up shirt and his little it was tie. adorable it was so seeing Andy in a button up shirt I was in the car and I just looked over to it I'm like I love this I've I, seen was, him wear this shirt three times total yeah, like in his life <laughs> that moment was special Alyssa being a, a a school teacher and having her kids and family show up like that that like, was adorable yeah that was like, really cute. It was, it was weird 
I don't know if I have the best advice for that, but it, yeah, like the 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 kind of moments of like having being able to celebrate in a year where we didn't think we were going to be able to celebrate whatsoever. Um, that was, sure. that was, that was really special. So yeah, just uh, let those, let those special moments happen naturally. That's what I'll say. My, my advice is get a video team, get a good video team and uh-huh. you can't be the video team like period. And I, and I mean, there's so much as you need people that know what they're doing that are just going to be doing it. They're recording it all. You're just having your moments though. Have your moments, let them happen. Everything you guys said is absolutely true where it's like, don't worry about all that stuff. And it's hard to say, don't worry, but you need to just trust in the people because they're going to get the footage. And then there's going to be a video or multiple videos that you'll be able to look at the rest of your life and it'll take you back. And every single time you can notice something different. And I can apply this to any major moment I've had in my life. Haven't had my wedding yet, but I've had many friends weddings that either I was a part of or some I wasn't a part of, but uh, I know how important those videos are to all of them. And even some of my friends who have since had divorces still go back to look at their video. And it's not necessarily even like to reminisce and be nostalgic about their relationship, but it's just about the day and the, the kind of like the other people around it and the other moments that happened uh, around the wedding itself. And I, I just think that especially in the world we're in now where you have a phone in your pocket at all times and video is easy to do. Anybody can do it. And, it's, you know, you see concerts and everyone's just holding their, their phone up. It's not that. It, I'm talking about get a professional <laughs> team. It's so important to let the moments happen where not everything has to be filmed with the uh, you know, with everybody feeling like an active participant to make this a big video project, but have it be recorded because these are memories that you don't need to just have as memories. They can actually be memories you get to go back to. <laughs> the technology is there. Andy. That's good. Oh, that's good advice, Susanna. Okay. I cut her off. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There's a delay. I hate I like Wyoming. That. I hate Wyoming. <laughs> Andy, do you do you have advice for making the most of a special day? Because obviously you've had several that aren't wedding days, but you obviously have had special days. Um, I mean, when it comes to weddings, right? Just good food, right? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> maybe something with shrimp. Big fan of shrimp. Like especially if I'm gonna be. If you want to invite Andy? Get shrimp. shrimp yeah. for sure. <laughs> Here's if you want me to get there, it's gonna be tough for, to get me there. I got a lot of stuff happening Andy. that day, but yeah, get some shrimp. <laughs> Andy up, was forced to be at our wedding day because we live together. Yeah, we got we got, we, we had pretty good food that night, Andy. I just kind of like walked out. And I was like, uh, "Hey, Barrett, you and Alyssa need food?" They're like, "Yeah, we're gonna get this." I was like, "All right, cool, I'll get you that." <laughs> and that's yeah, what happened. Appreciated. You know, with, uh, with that though, Andy. Uh, uh, sorry, just real quick to cut you off there because uh, talking about the food stuff. Like I was saying, like the don't worry about it when it comes to video stuff. It food and all that. You need not worry about it. You need to not worry about other people's opinion on your wedding. Because all we- there's a complex of weddings. There's an industry of these things that just things have to happen a certain way. And something that happens every single time is the, the bride and the groom do the, the tasting of the dinner. And then they come back and tell everyone, oh, my God, the food's so good. It's going to be so good. The food is never good at weddings. It never will be good. I don't care if you get it catered from your favorite place or if it's just whatever. It's bulk ordering of food. It's just not going to work out. It's okay. Play. It's okay. People are going to talk shit. People are going to have their own private little gossip circles. Let them do that. Let them have that. Or don't feed the fuckers. That's what I'm saying. Bring yeah, your own food. Tim. BYOF. Hey, <laughs> Tim, I'm just saying for our original plan for our wedding, we were going to order Ike sandwiches, man. 
We were That's gonna, dope. Like, Guess yeah. what, Barrett? Wouldn't have been good. Wouldn't have been good. It would have been soggy. They would have not been the Ike's experience that we know and expect. Yeah, that's I'm true. just being that's real. True. I just expect last... a lot of Doritos bags. Like, roll. Make sure you roll them up so they don't get sure. soggy, Greg. You got to be careful with that. Big part of it, yeah. The, mm-hmm. and the last wedding we went to before COVID times was in New Jersey, and it was with my friend Sean in Val's. And they went, like, it's that thing of what you're talking about, right? Like, I feel like main courses are so hard to nail at weddings, but they went ape for the appetizers. So it was just like station after station after station of, you know, sliders, and then they had Chinese, and then and it was like every color of the rainbow of food. So it wasn't even necessarily how great the food was. I remember it being good, but it was more the holy crap, they have a fondue fountain and this cheese fountain. And it was like the spectacle of how much stuff they had. I feel like that's a big part of it. Like razzle dazzle, Tim, as they say. <laughs> razzle dazzle. You gotta, you gotta razzle, you gotta dazzle. And then the last thing, since I'm venting about weddings, and I, this is my moment to get these thoughts out. Get them out. If you have a bridal party, which many weddings do, right? And it's the reception time, and then there's a thing where the the mc comes out and announces like and now it's the best friend and now it's the this and now it's the that and they come out and they do these like weird dances okay if you did if you were practicing the dance for the first time one minute before you come out just don't do the dance just don't do it have a plan or just come out that's all i'm saying i want some pomp and some circumstance but they need to be planned out okay (laughs) sorry eddie what were you gonna say i don't even remember tim you nailed it (laughs) Anna, you're a you're, you're a West Virginia girl. You came I out. Am. You came out to Stanford uh, when you got married young. Uh, was your first wedding the traditional by the books wedding, and was your second wedding not? No, they were both pretty. It's funny. I had pretty like traditional weddings both times. Like yeah. I I we had I had Episcopal ministers. To, to one um, Jim Lewis married me the first time, and and. Uh, Maury married me the second Maury. What's the Maury's last name? I'm blanking on it, but uh, pretty traditional. I just, I, that worked for me. I, yeah. I like the, uh, I like the traditional, but I feel we did have um, the dancing. The dancing was pretty great. My second wedding. I feel prouder of that dance floor and it was, it went on long. <laughs> so I feel, I feel like, you know, the, the like ceremony to the dancing, the dancing was uh, more important in the second wedding, which I think is a good lesson learned, you know, more dancing. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I always think of like, you know, my first wedding, we were, you know, flat broke and we were kids in Missouri and it was such a like, it was the cookie cutter experience of every other wedding we had ever been up to at that point of like, you know, having the hotel ballroom and stuff. And like the, my wedding to Jen obviously is such a different thing because, you know, originally the idea was we are getting married to get her to the United States to make sure we can start our lives together. We'll do a real thing down the line. And again, that same moment I talk about of like, you know, walking the Embarcadero, that's when I think we both realized that like, Oh shit, this was the real thing. Like we keep, th- <laughs> we keep talking about that. We're going to go to Montreal and do something. Yada, yada. That quickly became the, at five years, we'll do we'll, at five year anniversary. We'll go throw a celebration in Montreal. We'll go do that. But that is already going to be next year. And we're going to have a newborn and we'll see what that actually nets out to be <laughs> life, man, life, away. life, Tim, it keeps coming at you no matter <laughs> what you want uh, for Brandon though, uh, for them moving in any, tri- uh, any tips for the transition, Tim, we'll start with you. Oh, for moving in. Um, I mean, communicate as much as possible you know honesty and communication is the key to any relationship can't say it enough and uh when it comes to living together that is more true than ever like there's certain Mm -hmm. things you just need to uh kind of say like 
don't let things go unwritten. Don't let things go unsaid. Like if you are the type of person that gets really, really annoyed by uh, a, a pile of clothes, a small pile of clothes next to a bed, let that be known because then it's like, okay, cool. That little thing that the other person didn't think was that big of a deal. They'll stop doing it. And I, it could be anything like that, you know, but it's like that stuff adds up and that's what's going to create a lot of problems. And it doesn't all need to be negative things. It could just be like, I like things this way. And it's like, okay, cool. Anna, yeah. what do you have? I actually think if I was surprised the first time I lived with a romantic partner, it was a one bedroom apartment. Um, and I would, I can remember being like, oh my gosh, you're always here. Privacy, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that um, moving in, I really think like take advantage of the walk when you need to have a little alone time. If it's a one bedroom apartment or a studio, if it's a if it's a space where you don't have your own your own space in the apartment, um, like you just uh, it took me for some reason a, a little bit long to realize like oh I want to talk to my best friend and I maybe want to like talk about what's going on in a way that like like my partner's not immediately imme overhearing me I want to have like a little girl chat um, to go on a walk and then you have your own space um, so you're not like because uh, I I I wanted somebody I didn't know this until I lived with a romantic partner. I I like my had having my own kind of space to do some things by myself. So uh, figuring that out and then figuring out how to communicate that and how to accommodate that is a big thing. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I was going to kind of mirror that exact same thing as somebody who was often at an ex-girlfriend's apartment, just like semi living there. Right. Um, if you need space or if they need space. That's not an indictment on you or them. Yep. Like if they are frustrated with work and they are just kind of having a day and you try to go up and comfort or they try to come up and comfort you, if you're in a maybe you're frustrated from your day's work or whatever and you feel kind of pissy about it and maybe they feel kind of pissy about it as well, just know, oh, it's not me. It's them. Let me back away and I'll let you do your thing. And then whenever you're ready to talk, I'm down. But yeah like giving them space is not that's it's not it's not a you thing it's it's they're just sort of dealing with some shit and they need to kind of you know breathe it out and let the day kind of relax and then they'll be fine so i would say that as well because that's that's one thing that i am very if you're like me you are completely paranoid all the time and if somebody <laughs> talks to you or treats you a certain way you go Oh, what did I do to to fuck this up? I said something probably. I must have messed something up. They're probably mad at me for something, but really, it's like no, they just need a break, and and don't feel bad about that. You know, Andy, that's a callback to when Arthur told me to just go in the woods and cry. You know, he was like, "You need yeah. to stay." It's a that's true. Sometimes you just need to say, "You take your time." I can tell you need you need a moment. You take your time. Yeah. yeah, and I, that's such a huge part of being in a relationship, let alone living together, where I think, yeah, yeah all of this is true, and Andy hits it, and Anna's story makes sense of, like, I can't tell you how many times that it is that thing with Jen and I, even, where it's like, oh, one of us is in a mood. And it, your first reaction, I, you know, I think, especially when I was younger, would have been, oh, it's something I did. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? When or in how reality, it's like this right now. How can exactly, I fix this right now? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, guess what? You can't fix it. This isn't your fight. This You need to be there for that person. But being there can be 
being across the couch or being in a separate room or, you know, playing a video game while they deal whatever they need to and they'll come to you with it or vice versa for however it is. And for me, I think, you know, Brandon's last question of, you know, how do I make the first year of marriage the best it can be? Like, for me, it's how you make every year of marriage work. And this is a personal thing, uh, of it, but I, a very personal, I guess, of like, I remember when uh, you know, uh, me and my uh, first wife were breaking up and, and getting divorced. And I remember talking to Jeremy Dunham about it at IGN. And he was like, oh my God, dude, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. But I also kind of didn't expect it, but I could have seen it coming. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, when we moved out here or we're getting ready to move out here, when I got my dream job to come work at IGN, I remember telling her, just give me a decade. Like I need a decade out there before we even consider moving back to Missouri or the Midwest or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I also remember when I said that, having a thought in my head of like, you go through the contingency plans of, well, if in five years, five months, she says, no, she doesn't want that. I would want to stay. And I remember telling him that and being like, that's when I knew something was wrong, but we were in love and we were young and you're taught, you know, love conquers all and you over, you overlook certain things and we're going to power through this together. We're going to get through it. And so at that moment, I remember being telling him the next person I get married to, right. Will be my number one priority. It won't be my work or my ambition or anything over it. And you know, that took until I met Jen and we fell in love where I was like, oh, okay, my job on this earth is to make you as happy as possible because your job on this earth is to make me as happy as possible. It's not a one-sided thing. It is a true partnership. We are working together to make a family and a life and all these different things together, which feeds off of each other. And so like for me to Brandon, how do you make your first year of marriage the best it can be? It's to never lose sight of that because obviously there's days where Jen wants me to bring the laundry down or, you know, she's exhausted. Now she's exhausted and pregnant and make lunch or what. And it's like, well, I'm in the middle of, but it's like, well, no, stop. Van Gogh exhibit, you know, you know, the Van Gogh exhibit sounded cool. I was stoked for it. And then we got there. I was like, this is a ripoff. This sucks. But (laughs) that's a story for a different time of the interactive Van Gogh exhibit at SF, you know, Tim rolling his eyes. He knows what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. Yeah. uh, I want to have this conversation on looking at 300 people's butts while I sit on the floor. I'm like, sucks. (laughs) Anyways, I digress about the Van Gogh. You're playing a video game right now. (laughs) I know, right? I can be doing anything, getting a trophy. But that's what it comes down to. of like taking care of your partner for me personally. Anna, does that work out for you? You're the expert, even though this isn't a self-help book. Help book. Let's talk about hard things. I think that's right. I think that's right. And you know, Greg, what you made me think about is something that an Iowa farmer told me when back when I was covering politics and was still very much trying to figure out, you know, the end of my first marriage. And I, we were talking about life, and he just said, you know, the secret to marriage, you just gotta have the same plan. And I was like, oh. So true. Oh it's no. <laughs> Sometimes you don't like, or your plans change, and like, how do you build, keep building that together? But like, the whole thing with marriage is like, how do we both keep trying to make sure that we're moving in the same direction um, and, uh, and growing in this, you know, and there's going to be For sure. change, and grow, but like, what is this that we're building together? And I, I think, Greg, to go back to, to, to the baby's mama, um, like, that's something really. <laughs> that happens when you all of a sudden have kids together you're like holy look what we are building together this is pretty cool yeah 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 
and it's funny too of uh not to keep ruining your books because people should buy it and read it uh but there was one in here right about uh, I'm, I'm gonna screw this entire story up but it was the family where the mother realized she was a lesbian and she was like i i, I want to end this marriage and they had a daughter together and I, yeah, I, this is not for you, Anna. This is for every podcast kind of funny listener. I always talk about Gone Home, where when I beat the video game Gone Home for the first time, I immediately went and hugged my girlfriend at the time. When I listened to that this weekend uh, while I was playing games, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm killing Greek gods or whatever. I'm having a great <laughs> time. And I'm listening to this story. And when you, you tell, but it's the, you know, the quotes from the mom of how after they sat the daughter down and they told her that they were breaking up, the dad asked the mom to leave and talk to the daughter alone. That was for me. And she's, and she has the quote in the book, right? Of like, I still to this day, don't know what they said, what he said to her. To me, that was such an emotional backbreaker of the entire book where like, for like, don't get me wrong. I have no doubt that Jen and I are going to be together till one of us dies. But what if something went wrong and changed the stuff, like I would never, she's going to kill you. Yeah, of course <laughs> I would never, ever, do that to her or our child or whatever. And like, that was such a heart. That's the most heartbreaking moment for me in the book personally. And that's, you know, you talk about your, uh, what your uncle dying in front of you. And I'm like, that was the one where I was like, I, I'm devastated by this moment of it. And I, I couldn't get over it. Of like, again, what love means of like, you know, what being in a, this kind of relationship means of like, I would never, no matter how it would possibly end, do that to her. This is a weird diatribe, but you understand what I'm saying. We're together forever. Everything's great. Love and love, love. But like, man, that part of the book hurt me. Yeah, yeah. That was a really sad moment. Um, let me tell you all that Ellen, who's the character in that book, she and her wife, Sue, they are just, I, they're my Facebook friends, and I have never seen more happy lovebirds like on the <laughs> planet. So, um they got through it. Ellen got through it. You know, it was a really, it was that, that transition was really tough for her, but, um, something she needed to do and her relationship yeah. with her daughter. Was fantastic. And again, like, you know, to what we're talking about from the very beginning of the show and what we're trying to do with kind of funny and yada, yada, yada of like empathy for each other and sharing experiences and stuff like that. Right. And it's a similar thing of what I got out of the video game gone home, which is a story about a, a girl coming out and realizing she's a lesbian. It was the same thing here of like, all right, Ellen gets out of this relationship and everything's great, but then her mother, her family, right, still won't accept her wife and won't let her wife come visit. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, can this poor woman not get a break in any of these situations and stuff? But, again, it gives you a glimpse into a world you never know. And it's the same thing um, from the family chapter, right, of uh, – God, I'm so bad with names. I apologize to everybody who's in this book who aren't listening to this podcast. Uh, but the daughter <laughs> whose mom has dementia – and she starts coming back and her stepfather who she never got along with. And he would, he had these weird rules about her shoes and he, she hit his suspenders and all this stuff. Like, this has got to be such a trip for you. I'm bringing out these like random facts of these things that are like your life and all this work. Uh, but like, you know, when she has dementia and they have to come back and they have to find common ground together. It's like, wow, what a powerful story of that's so, so timely for, you know, this world and family and nation ripped apart by Fox news and Trump and all these other things. Yeah, Pam and George. The secret to what helped them relate to one another is he turned off Fox News and they watched Family Feud together. So Family Feud. Family Feud. The yeah. irony. <laughs> <laughs> That's what solved the feud. Family, family feud. Yeah, family must feud to be brought back together. <laughs> Anna, 
We yes, know sir. we have we have to do a post show still. I forget if you can say or not. It doesn't matter either way. So before we go, one more time, tell everybody about your book. Where can they get it? Who are you? Where can they find you? Oh, okay. Let's talk about hard things. You can get it wherever you buy books. I prefer if you buy it from your local bookstore, um, just to keep those businesses going the way they they've, they've had a hard time this last year and a half. Uh, or you you can buy it. You can buy the book from your local bookstore, and then wherever you buy audiobooks, also buy that. Since Greg has talked about what a wonderful companion they are to one another. Um, and then my show is Death, Sex, and Money, which I make with the whole Death, Sex, and Money team. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts or at deathsexmoney.org. And you can find me on Twitter at Anna Sale and on Instagram at Anna Sale Picks, P-I-C-S. I love seeing kind of funny people out on the internet. I want to be friends with more of you. So please introduce yourself. <laughs> Do it, best friends. So many of you have been so supportive, and I love to see it. Uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kind of Funny's podcast. Uh, if you didn't know, each and every week, four, sometimes five, best friends gather on this table, each coming to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. If you like that, you can head to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where you can, of course, submit your questions. You can have a good time. You can get the show ad-free. You can watch it live, just like Nick is. Oh, Nick who, from Campfire Designs, who made the Kind of Funny Wild Aces logo. Mark Freeman is. And, of course, let's talk about hard things super fan demetrius newell is uh however if you have no bucks to toss our way it's no big deal you can get each and every episode with ads no post show for free on youtube.com slash kind of funny roosterteeth.com and podcast services around the globe each and every week uh we'll be back uh with another episode because we do two a week you know how it works every time uh but until then it's been our pleasure to serve you